that song gets me hyped every damn time. Every damn time, dude. It's so great. Well. <laughs> I feel like just starting a mosh pit right right here by myself, just like, oh, gonna throw my stuff. <laughs> uh, good morning, everyone. Welcome to After the Week, your weekly Sunday. Uh, I guess you can say sort of recap of the wrestling week with Will and myself, where we pick the best, where we pick the worst of the week, and we kind of just have a really good time. And I gotta say, Will, uh, you know, this is, I don't even know how many shows we've done now, but I'm so happy with the feedback that you and I have been getting. A lot of people are like, you know what? We're digging the show. We're having a good time. Here's some suggestions, etc. Um, So yeah, welcome yeah, back to another show. I, I love it as well. Except when I seem to not give Bray Wyatt his due and then all of a sudden. They, I didn't read the comments last gets, week. I get daggers thrown at me. <laughs> Hey, but but each week, Bray Wyatt seems to be moving higher. Not this week, but each week, the thing seems to be moving higher. I gave him number three two weeks ago. Last week, he was number two. So who knows where he'd end up? Uh, I'm coming around. Just just trust trust in, in this. But thank you. Thank you. This, I, I really appreciate everybody's feedback on the show. Um, I actually take a lot of pride in this show every single week because uh, it's, it's a new thing. It's a new thing we're doing. Speaking of new things, though. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I had a little bit of a weight loss thing going on. Um, those who follow on Grapsity know that we've got the, the FitBot sponsorship happening. Um, but, folks, from the time we started this show, I don't remember what episode this is either. But from the time we started this show, I am down, I kid you not, 23 pounds. Go look back at the first episode of this show we started. You're going to be just like... Look. Yeah, I know, right? I felt like I had jowls on that episode, but uh, I am officially down. I wanted to make the official mark, so I wanted to see where I was on my birthday. My birthday's Wednesday, by the way. Thank you for the gifts, Denise, by the way. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, I wanted to see where I was by my birthday. That was going to be my official mark. But as of right now, I'm down 23 pounds from the time we started this show. I'm feeling really good, uh, and I've gotten... Just a great workout routine, and I fixed my diet. I don't snack nearly as much. <sighs> I'm so happy for you, Life Will. Life changes. So, yeah, I'm so it. happy for you. I can't say I'm a little jelly, but because I, <laughs> I, I weighed myself the other day, and I have to lose 26 pounds. So there's that's a whole thing. Well, Because I'm I 26 have... pounds more than I'd like to be. <laughs> I, I have a routine for you so uh, we can but talk. you know but what though it's not fair i will say this it's easier for men to lose weight than for women men can diet for like two weeks and they're like bam you're down freaking 20 pounds i could diet for like two years and it's like yes i'm down three pounds <laughs> <laughs> it's not fair it's not fair no. it's it's hard it is it is hard but folks you know what else is happening today there's wrestling we're talking about but also that's right, the Jets and the Broncos going head-to-head. -head. Now, had this been even earlier in the season, I might have had a little more faith in today's game. However, Russell Wilson has been stinking it up so bad that there's no way I actually have any faith in this going any way other than... I thought he was than... out of the game, though, Russell. Was he, uh, isn't he out of this game? I is think he? he is. So you might actually have a good chance if he's gone for, for this game. Uh, I mean, I hope so. I thought he was cleared. I don't um, know. I thought no, he okay, was so out. Okay, so uh, officially they said he wanted to play, but officially he's ruled out. Good. Yeah, good deal. See, there you good go. Deal. That's your okay. one shining hope. 
Yeah, uh, as you're saying in the chat, uh, Riot Bits says Will's gonna suit up his QB today. Honestly, I'd probably do a better job. No, I wouldn't say that. But <laughs> I mean, at this um, point, <laughs> at this point, I think a blind squirrel could do a better job. Um, <laughs> I. Do we have a bet? Because I have an idea, by the way, for okay. what we okay. can do. I, I, Let's I, I, harm I this, you know? None of us are going to go into debt or anything like that. So I was thinking, all right, our format of a show is that we clearly pick three of the best uh, moments of the week and one worse. So I was thinking, if the Jets win, then I take away one of your best and I get an extra one for next week. If the Broncos win, you take one of my best away and you get an extra for next week. So you get four best and then the other person, well, me, if I lose, would get just two, two best. I like it. I like that. You that's, like it? I think it's kind of fair. It makes yeah, it harder for fair. the other that's person. Fun. Yes, exactly. Um, I'll take it. I will absolutely take it. That's a fair bet. I'm yeah. still repping my blue and orange. <laughs> Look, I still ride or die for this team, even though it's been a lot of die the last few years. Uh, I, I, I'm happy for the Jets, but not today. Today is today is is is. is and we're at a roll, man. We're at a roll right now. I know. Like, well, riding high. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Well. This is a wrestling podcast, so let's get into the wrestling, everybody. But before we do, just a heads up, if you want to help support this show, uh, you want to help me pay Will to stay and keep doing this show, please, by all means, tune in, take part, send Super Chats. If you send Super Chats, you do get your question, your comment, your statement, your hot take, your recipe, your football predictions, your wrestling predictions, whatever the hell it is, uh, it gets read here on this stream. Uh, so please do support, send in Super Chats. It really means a lot to us and really just helps uh, make a difference here today. On top of that, I do want to remind you all, because last night I had a massive guest. I had Sam Roberts who was hosting the pre-show panel uh, for NXT Halloween Havoc. And he joined me right after the show on here on this channel. And we did a post-show for NXT Halloween Havoc. And that was really cool of him to do because let's be real. He could have been like, Denise, I don't want to do a show with you, you little person. And he did not. He was so excited to do the show. We had a great time. And you can check out that show uh, here on this channel. On top of that, one more announcement, Will. We have officially hit 71,000 subscribers here. Just two days ago, I had hit 69K. Nice. But now we are at 71K. This channel is growing, so make sure you take part in it by clicking that subscribe button. But now, Will, what did you think of the wrestling week overall? Uh, overall, I mean, it had some bummers, obviously. One big one. But... uh. You know, overall, I was happy with pro wrestling this week. Uh, when you find I had a out hard what time my worst, my worst. Did uh, you have a hard time? Not at all. Uh, it came to me very easily, and we'll talk about exactly what it was and why. Um, it might be a cheap answer, but you'll understand. Uh, okay. I will say, all my picks this week fall under all elite wrestling, including worst, every single one of them. So, uh, you will understand all of my picks this week. All right. I'm excited. I'm excited. I did a little bit of everything, so I can't wait to get all of that. Uh, I was going to say one more thing, and I completely forgot, so let's just get right into it. So, here we go. Um, will, let's get you started. Since you put me on the spot last time, I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, what's your third best of this week? Third best of this week falls under Tony Storm defending the All Elite Wrestling Interim Women's World Championship against Hikaru Shida. 
now, this was Sheeta's first singles match for the AEW Women's World Championship since she lost the belt to Britt Baker at Double or Nothing in 2021. And so it was nice to see her get a shot at the title. I thought that this was a great match. I thought this was an exciting match. I thought the crowd was incredibly into it on both sides of the aisle. Um, you could hear... Uh, much stronger, I think, let's go Sheeta side. And again, that goes to my point that AEW fans love their homers. But uh, I thought Tony Storm was no slouch as far as getting crowd reception was concerned. And I just felt like they had a really good back and forth match that went through the commercial break. Um, I thought that it was a really good way to showcase exactly what you have in that division. I think Sheeta and Tony Storm represent the best of what that division has to offer. And again, it was just a great match. And it's great to hear crowds like that into it. This crowd was, of course, in Cincinnati. Um, this was at the Heritage Bank Center, the the bigger arena in Cincinnati. Last time they ran Fifth Third Arena. Uh, but here, I just thought that this crowd was really into it. And it helped make for a really exciting match. Uh, I thought that the post-match stuff was all very, very good. Um, of course, the, the post-match saw Jamie Hayter run in, attack... Um, or Jamie Hader and Reba Rebel, I guess she's not. They're not doing the Reba thing anymore. So yeah, officially, it's Rebel, Rebel. Yeah. officially Rebel. Um, but Jamie Hader and Rebel uh, attacking Tony Storm. Britt Baker goes to make her way down, and she's interrupted by er, Soraya. I will say, as far as Soraya is concerned, one little fix I would make at this stage is uh, you gotta fix her, her Tron. I think opening with the word Soraya would help, simply because Didn't I don't they think they already the do that. They no, had so, that when she came out, they had so Soraya big on the screen. They do, but it's like 15 seconds into the song, and so I feel like the crowd doesn't like. There's still that moment of, oh, whose music is this? This kind of sounds familiar. Oh, it's Soraya when it finally comes across the screen. I think I would start with the word Soraya just so the crowd knows almost immediately who's coming out because it's that same reaction she got at Grand Slam when she came out and. Uh, you know, it was like, oh, who is this? Who is this? And then when the word Soraya came across the screen, everybody goes nuts. I think now I would just start with it. Just get that instant reaction from people. Um, but then, of course, they brawled into the crowd. Some would say they're still brawling today. And then... Uh, but then <laughs> I was going to say, they never really showed like a closing shot of that. <laughs> it was like, uh, Soraya came in and she pummeled down Britt Baker. And then that's like all I remember. Then we went into everything else. And I don't remember anything else happening with Soraya and Britt after no, that? Uh, like I said, they're probably still brawling to this day. Who knows? But after that, it was then the grand return of Riho. I mean, the, the, the NXT killer herself, Riho showed up and uh, she made her return. There's very few people who's um, who I enjoy seeing do what they do best than Riho. I recognize she's a very divisive figure in in wrestling that people either really really hate her or really really love her sorry i fall on the side as of is, as it is it not like that for every woman ever <laughs> yeah. i mean people really hate riho the ones that do hate her think she's like the worst thing and i understand i look i, I can't I, imagine I, hating someone like that like even if someone's not good like i'm not gonna be like i fucking hate that person you know like there's people that i think are total and complete like crap and are not good and i'm just like Ah, they're fine. You know, yeah. like you'll never know who I think is God awful. <laughs> well, maybe a right. couple people you might, you might, some advice, like sometimes it just comes out. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it'll just come out. But yeah, I, I, I hear it all the time. I hear the, the negative side of Riho. I'm not on that side. I love Riho. I think that she, 
uh, is an incredible performer. I think that especially because I, I know that the thing people hate most about her is like her size. They're like, it's unbelievable that she does anything she does. But like, that's the appeal. That's the fun. I mean, how the hell did you ever get into Rey Mysterio if like size was a detractor for you? But for her, I just think that uh, what she brings to the table and like just thinking about her last few major matches, she had the match with Serena Deep. She had the match with Yuka Sakazaki on Rampage earlier this year. Uh, she does phenomenal stuff when she's out there. And just thinking about, she already had a match. I think it was uh, last year. It was in North Carolina. Uh, and it was December of last year. She faced Jamie Hayter, the same Jamie Hayter she's facing uh, coming up uh, this coming Wednesday. Again, I just loved everything about all of this. I was into the match. The crowd was into the match. And then we had an exciting return. And it pretty much this whole segment was for me. So I'm looking at the comments here and I'm seeing some people like they definitely do not like Soraya's song. I don't think I've really paid much attention to it. So I do that. I don't pay very much attention to people's songs. Well, I know you are a song guy. You're a music guy. A music You're very guy. great at this stuff. But for some reason, I tend to tune it out sometimes because here's the thing for me. If it's not like in my face kind of song, uh-huh. it'll just fly underneath the radar for me. It's got to be like, you know, it's got to have the glorious, you know, like a big dramatic intro for me to really be captured by it and be like, oh yeah, this is the song that I like. I will listen to the same song for like three months, like on in, on wrestling and not really think anything of it. And then all of a sudden, fifth month, I'm like, you know what, this song freaking rocks. But like fifth month's in, it takes me a bit. Um, with that being said, we also have a lot of people here putting over uh, Riho. So I think our chat is more on the positive side for Riho, which that is definitely good. Now, I, I agree with you. I thought this was a fine match, but that's what it was to me. Just a fine match. I think with two competitors like like Storm uh, and like Sheeta, I feel like they could have definitely just done. Uh, I feel like they could have just done a lot more. To be honest, I feel that it never actually peaked this match. And right now, I think that they need all that they can to really get Tony Storm to a level where people are like, "Fuck yeah! Like Tony Storm's coming out. Let's get it!" You know, with the crowd. Uh, you know, like you said, was 50-50. I feel like they just need to give Tony Storm more, uh, I don't know how to say it, but just longer matches so that people can see that from her. Well, I, I will say, and as I pointed out on my Twitter, which if you follow me, William RBR, um, I will say that as far as AEW's women's division booking, which is already in itself a uh, hot topic, stopping, a hot topic um, I will put out the flat statement. I think Tony Storm's already been the best booked women's champion they've had. And even uh, comparison to Sheeta and Britt Baker? Uh extremely. And I say that simply because I mean the stats add up in Tony's favor. Um now is the crowd responding to her the way that they did to others? I don't know. I can't really say that. But I will say that Tony Storm has been consistent. They've been taking kind of the John Moxley formula with her. This this week coming up, as I pointed out on my Twitter, is the first time in nine weeks that there isn't an advertised Tony Storm match for Dynamite. She's worked every week since before All Out, just consistently. No woman since AEW started has had that many consistent matches on Dynamite, um, that many consistent appearances on Dynamite. Even when Britt Baker was champion, it was usually a lot of the time she was just in backstage segments being interviewed, Tony Schiavone, little things like that. Tony Storm has been in the ring every single week. Every chance they get, they're giving her title matches, giving her title defenses. It's the John Moxley formula of let's just send her out there and have her 
do some shit. And, and it works. And it works. And I think that um, that's what I would have wanted to see from Hikaru Shida's reign. But I recognize that Shida's reign was limited by the pandemic. There were a lot of pretty much they had a lot of women at home at the time. They had to do some signings to even get the division back up because that was when Ty Conti was signed. That was when Anna Jay was signed. That was when uh, Thunder Rosa was brought into the company. Uh, Thunder and, and I pointed out last week on Day After Dynamite that Tony Storm has at this point now had as many matches in her eight weeks as champion as Thunder Rosa had in her eight months as champion. So um, again, it's just like. They seem to have turned the dial up with Tony Storm on giving her more matches, more appearances, more, more, more. And I think that is how you get somebody over. That's how you give somebody the opportunity to show what they can do is doing what they're doing with Tony Storm. And that's the thing, too, is that I almost feel bad that they decided to do this interim AW Women's Championship thing because... Even when Thunder Rosa came back, she could have been like, you know, even if she wasn't the, even if they still had, if they wanted to do a Tony Storm Thunder Rosa when Thunder Rosa came back, you could have still done it even if Thunder Rosa wasn't the champion and you had Tony Storm as the actual champion. I feel like there was still would have been a story there because, you know, she would have had to relinquish the championship, right? So you didn't need to have an interim women's champion. And I do think that them crowning Tony Storm the interim women's champion did kind of hurt a little bit Tony Storm because I feel, and I've said this on numerous occasions, but I feel that that reaction that Tony Storm got when she won the championship wasn't necessarily that big. And I remember that, I remember that kind of also being, uh, I remember it all out her being like outshadowed by Jamie Hayter. Jamie Hayter, who wasn't supposed to be this big focal point. She was just, they had this quick little uh, tease with her and Britt Baker and, you know, the riff between them. And everybody only cared about Jamie Hayter. So I do think that having Tony Storm be the interim women's champion did uh, hurt that a little bit, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that, like I get why they did it. I feel like it was just a case of, well, we already have an established precedent. CM Punk was out for multiple months and he got to stay champion. Cody Rhodes was out. And Has he, he got been to stay out champion. longer? Yeah, they shouldn't have because Cody Rhodes, I don't recall being out for that long, was he? Cody Rhodes was out like a week and it was exactly. just Exactly. They shouldn't have done right? it. Yeah. With, <laughs> so. with CM Punk, has was he out longer at this point than Thunder Rosa? Um, let me see what well, he was out I from feel Thunder Rosa was, has been out longer now than punk was, but I have. Yeah. No oh yeah. And she's time. going to be out longer. Cause she said in an interview this week that she's coming, she said at the earliest January. And right. so, uh, no, I would absolutely do what you can to crown Tony storm, the actual lineal women's champion and, uh, drop the, the interim thing. Um, I hope even, I don't want to see any more interim champions. I'm sorry. I don't want to see any more interim champions. Yeah. Well, I, you seem I, to I, disagree. No, I, I get why they do it. Um, but I will say that uh, if I would wait to have a diagnosis before you do it next time, like uh, if you have a uh, not diagnosis, prognosis, I would like to know what the prognosis on somebody is going to be. And then at that case, if it's like they're going to be out a month, interim champion fine if they're going to be out even two months i'd say interim champions fine but once you start to reach that area where we're like okay we're not going to see this person till next year uh <laughs> and this rain that tony storm is having right now where like i said i think she's having great defenses i think she's having great appearances i liked everything about this segment but the fact is as far as the history books are going to concern none of this is going to count uh none of this counts and so um 
she's technically still not the actual lineal champion at the moment. That sucks. And I would like to see even something retconned to say, actually going back to all out, all of this counts because I would oh, hate for the history books to not, to show that like none of this actually happened. And I, I hate that. So I agree with you. I would like to see them do away with it. Jesus, I didn't, even think, I didn't even think about that, by the way. But here we go. Uh, thank you so much to Tamela Paget for sending in this super chat. I appreciate it uh, so, so much. A shout out to Tamela Paget. Uh, let me get caught up here with the comments here because we have a lot of different people sending in uh, a bunch of different stuff in regards to this. Obviously, this is going to be a hot topic of the day. But now let's get into my third best of the week. And I'm going to go ahead and shift things over to uh, the SmackDown side of things. Uh, I will say this. One thing that I want to say before I start off is that I'm so happy Will that Smackdown is a more enjoyable show to watch now uh in the last I would say I feel personally the last two weeks three weeks maybe for me has been I've been looking forward to watching Smackdown you have no idea you have no idea Will prior to that I was just like so Smackdown happened and I could review Smackdown in five minutes and I would try my best to extend it out to like half hour. So that was where I was at before. So I just want to say I'm so much happier with where SmackDown is at right now, especially as somebody who reviews it every single week. With that being said, I want to give my third best to the SmackDown brand. And this is going to go to Sheamus versus Solo Sokoa. And the reason I'm giving it to this one here is I wasn't a Solo Sokoa fan. I was a little bit just like, man, I felt like we were forced to cheer for Solo Sokoa because he was part of the Bloodline family, but I hadn't seen anything special from Solo Sokoa. I thought he was pretty generic. There was, to me, nothing more other than him being part of the Bloodline, right? To me, that was the extent of it. I was seeing everything that they did with him on NXT, and it was fine, but it wasn't anything where I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. And so I kind of felt like I was forced to believe in this, you know, in this new version of what they were trying to portray for Solo Sokoa, because Solo Sokoa was supposed to be like the guy who came in in this big pay-per-view at Clash at the Castle, who was this uh, person that ended up costing Drew McIntyre the match. And we're supposed to be like, oh my God, Solo Sokoa. That's supposed to be the reaction. And while many people did have that reaction, I did not, okay? And so I wasn't a Solo Sokoa fan. However, after this match with Sheamus, because Sheamus has been like on a whole other role lately, like he's been tweeting out all the time, the banger after banger thing. This match was the first time that I saw Solo Sokoa in a different light. They made him look dominant. And when you're in the ring against Sheamus, it's very easy to look like the weak link, right? Because Sheamus is going to always, he, he just has that legitimacy of, this dude could kick your ass, right? And you, if you're going to be in there with another guy that's supposed to be as equal, they're supposed to be portraying him as equally dominant as Sheamus, then he has to be believable. And I thought that Solo Sokoa, for the most part, came across very believable in this match. I love him going after the arm of Sheamus. There was a lot of different uh, moments that I personally liked when he did the Samoan drop and Sheamus just landed like all disgusting looking. Oh, I popped for that so hard. And obviously, Obviously, you know, he had the help of the bloodline and all of that, but I still liked the way that they made Solo Sokoa look dominant and that they actually gave him the win here. This to me was the first time where I thought, you know what? I'm rooting for you, Solo. So um, I will say that this was a win across the board. And then even afterwards, they had a post-match angle where the bloodline 
all attacked Seamus in a very brutal manner. So what they did was they put a chair through his arm, had him leaning up against the steel steps, and then just started smashing the chair on his arm, basically that arm that Sol Sokoa had been working that entire match, and then you know, added more pain to it. At one point, you can even see like a little bruise there on Seamus. And, you know, he colors very easily. So oh, you yeah. could see that. Uh, and there was like even the outside stuff with uh, with Butch and Rich Holland and uh, and the Usos. Seeing them like just uh, bury those, those guys underneath the commentary table. I loved it. I really, really did. So this was the first time where I can legitimately say that I'm now looking forward to seeing what Solo Sokoa is doing on the roster. So with that being said, we got some super chats here. This is from Orion Ben. Did I say it right this time? You did. Orion Ben 666 who says, Solo was born for this, plays everything naturally. Uh, after this, I will say I agree. Before that, I probably wouldn't have agreed too much. But thank you so much to Orion for sending this in. We have a super chat here from Jose Palomares who says, thoughts of one woman's match on Raw two weeks in a row. Um, let's first, uh, Will, first give me your thoughts on Sheamus and Solo, and then we'll go ahead and answer uh, Jose's question separately. Yeah, this was good. I somewhat felt the way you felt about um, Sheeta and Tony Storm and that, you know, for the bangers that Sheamus has been having as of late, this wasn't quite banger territory, but um, I thought that uh, it was good. It was hard hitting and had it had maybe a chance to get into one more gear, I think it would have been an excellent match. Not a fan of distraction finishes. Um, and this was the distractionist of distraction finishes, but uh it was a good way to get Solo a good victory to make him look strong. Um, I agree with you that I wasn't into Solo, like, NXT run at all. I wasn't into bringing him in, but I think he pretty much, since Sami Zayn, honestly, uh, I think Sami Zayn has really done a great job of turning Solo into what we need to see out of him, which is this kind of straight enforcer guy that, uh, and like the, the straight enforcer of the bloodline, that also seems to have an affection for Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn made him crack in this match, by the way. That was my favorite moment of the match, that Solo Sokoa, being Solo Sokoa, actually cracked a smile in the ring and had to get back to what he was doing. <laughs> Excellent moment. Yeah, he had to straight face it. It was great stuff. Um, yeah, I agree with you. This was, this was good. I actually did enjoy it, and I enjoy what it laid out for the future. All right, now to Jose Palomares' uh, question here. Uh, he says, thoughts on one women's match on Raw two weeks in a row. So, Will, this was something that I remember you and I were kind of texting about where uh, we were talking about this, where it was just like, oh, man, you know, the last couple of weeks they haven't been uh, having very, very many Raw you know, segments for the women. And it is not something that happens often because I will say this, you do get to see quite a few of women's segments on WWE TV. I think that they have actually been uh, doing a great job with the women. But recently, we've only had this one segment a week, and it's been primarily with the same people with Damage Control, uh, Bianca. And so it's been one of those things where you're like, what's going on? Is it one of those cases where they don't maybe have enough women? Uh, they don't have ideas. I don't know. Uh, Will, for you, where do you think, what do you think is the reasoning that this is happening, that we're not getting at least, you know, three women's matches a night or something um, on a three so, hour show. So um, I, I am one to look at uh, portion versus quantity, right? That like um, you don't necessarily need to have 
I like I I don't like necessarily trying to meet a quota as much as I want to see just the divisions utilized to their max potential, right? Like quality versus I, quantity. Yeah, but to an extent, yeah. I like when I and that's for all divisions, right? Like I I don't just want to see a quota hit as much as I want to see the max amount uh, everybody used to their potential, right? Because like to me, it's not that AEW just has one women's match. It's that I sit around going, okay, well, where's this person? Where's this person? Where's this person? Like, um, and that's kind of how I feel about Raw segments as well. Like Raw has a three hour show. And so it's not so much that it's just one women's match. It is more so that I am sitting back going, what the hell happened to Alexa Bliss? She was on TV three weeks ago. Where is Asuka? She was on TV three weeks ago. Like, are they still supposed to be selling, getting beat up, beaten up by damage control? Because that happened before Extreme Rules. Where are these people? Like, that's more so how I look at these things and less um, about just the quantity of matches. If, if I find myself having to ask, where are these people that could be being used? That's more the issue to me. Like, I feel like SmackDown, for example, this week had two women's matches. But SmackDown also pretty much used everybody they had. We saw um, uh, Ronda Rousey on the show. We saw Liv Morgan on the show. We saw Sarah, or um, I was about to say Sarah Logan, but I meant uh, Sonya Deville on the show. I mean, we did kind of see Sarah Logan, just a little yeah, bit. just a, a little, little bit. bit. Yeah, but then we also saw Damage Control, and we also did get to see uh, Raquel and Shotzi. So it's like... Just using what you have is what makes more sense to me. And if you're not only keeping it confined to one segment, but you have people asking where everybody else is, that in itself is more of the problem. And I, I, I say the same thing for AEW. When they have one women's segment, it's more so like, well, this was also a show that like, I, I know Ty and Sammy weren't actually there, but I still find myself asking, um, where is and I guess Nyla Rose is there too, but but you get what I'm saying though that what, what, if you find yourself having to ask about women who are there and available, I think that's more the issue than uh, than just trying to serve the quantity and filling a quota. Right, exactly. I, I do agree with that because obviously there are those people. I, I would like, for example, with Nikki and Dewdrop, they never finished that story. Yeah. They were doing this whole thing where for a couple of weeks they were fighting in the background and you would just see them wailing their arms. And we never got a closure to that. They showed up on NXT like once or twice, I believe. I don't remember anymore. And then after that, we never got a follow-up with this story. So it does feel like there's obviously got to be more than six women back there. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure they could have found something for somebody, even if it was just a quick backstage segment or how like a squash match. I don't know anything because it does, it does kind of suck to see the whole – Especially because this is a hot topic in wrestling. This is a big topic. Mm -hmm. And constantly, uh, you know, people are talking about this in regards to AEW. How many people were like, man, AEW's only had one goddamn woman segment. And then, you know, we have it with WWE. So it would be one of those things where you're like, well, if we've been saying it like this for weeks for AEW or months or however long it's been, uh, then we can say it for WWE as well. So it is one of those things where you're like, I'm trying to think like because they've never really done this before because they've actually sh like showcased their women. They don't really have, at least in recent memory, they don't have like to me uh, history of not portraying their women. So I do want them to keep that. I mean, they, they, they do have a history with it, but I'd say more not so recently, it, though. But, and that's what I'm saying. Bianca, it, it, for WWE, I'd say for WWE, it feels more like a backward move because they've already made yes. that forward progress. There you go. Whereas. You know, I, I get what you're saying there, though. 
Yeah, and even, like, I mean, I've said this before, but, like, on NXT, like, they put a bunch of women's matches on there, too. I'm pretty excited to see some of these women grow and, you know, eventually get into, you know, these main roster spots and whatnot. So, yeah, I do think just more uh, of putting the women, giving the women more than one program, you know, more than one story, that's also key. Uh, You know, do like, doing more than just the main title picture only. So that is something to definitely uh, discuss. But anyways, me, I feel like we could do an entire podcast on this and we'll never get anywhere. Um, but let's continue on from here uh, because we got to get into Will. It is now time for your second best of the week. So this next one is somewhat cheating. Uh, but it's because of the fact that uh, we're talking about when this aired versus when it took place. Um, and so... I mentioned all the things fall under AEW's umbrella, but really this one only does because it includes AEW talent. This one's more New Japan, in particular, New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong, in which they had uh, what I would call top three match of the year. Wow. Which FTR defended the IWGP tag team titles against Aussie Open. This was incredible this is one of the best matches i have possibly ever seen let alone uh like this i I mean it this falls into all-time top uh, like 15 tag matches ever um this was so, I didn't get to see it, so I'm like, what? Yeah, I, I, and a lot, and it flew under the radar for a lot of people um, because one, this was taped uh, back on October 1st, but it didn't air until last Sunday, and so because our week runs from Sunday to Saturday, this does fall under that. It didn't air, but oh my god, FTR versus Aussie Open is one of the like if you if you want to talk about the year FTR is having. Um, you can't do it without having this match in there. I saw some people call this better than the Briscoes matches. It's up there with them. It's very, very, very good. Uh, Aussie Open, of course, has been having a tremendous year. Um, they uh, uh, Pretty much everywhere they've been, um, Aussie Open keeps leaving their footprint where they go. FTR, though, they are just on top of their game. And this was just such a smartly booked match that built itself up, built itself up in a way that felt very aggressive, very violent, uh, but still extremely pro wrestling. You got to see FTR just doing what they do best, and that is friggin' wrestle. Um, And it's a reminder of why we want to see more FTR and why we want to see them do what they do. Uh, Again, I just thought that this match deserves all its credit, all its due, because uh, FTR and Aussie Open is a match I didn't know I needed, but now that I've seen it on this stage, I need to see more. <laughs> and uh, I will, I, w- I mean, if, if Tony make the call, like if you can pull this off in front of um, the a, a bigger audience and put it on in front of a bigger stage, like absolutely make this happen. But the fact that New Japan Strong got to do it, it's very, very good. If you haven't seen it, go out of your way to check it out. It is one of the best matches you'll see this year. And I will say this, I think what does hurt it, honestly, is that it was on New Japan Strong because there is a very a niche audience, I feel, that's watching New Japan Strong specifically. And I know this, I, I can tell based on, you know, just so much stuff on social media, uh, all of these different stuff. And so I am glad to hear that that happened on New Japan Strong because I do think that they need uh, it's been a minute or two since I really feel that collectively the people have been like, 
oh, you really got to watch the show because of this, this, and that, or whatever reason, right? Mm -hmm. So the fact that they had a really great match with FTR and Aussie Open, that's very exciting. I just did an interview with Aussie Open, and I've been, you know, I love these guys. I got to see them in GCW. Obviously, we saw them in uh, multiple times on AW. So they, you know, they were part of the tournament. They did, uh, you know, they've done quite a bit there. I think they've had like three matches now. I don't know, on AEW, somewhere around there. They've had a little handful of matches. So mm -hmm. I'm happy that they're starting to, I feel, maybe just like branch out a little bit more and more people are starting to see them. Like I can definitely see Aussie Open uh, being all elite if that is something that, you know, I, if, if I was going to put some predictions out there on who might be some uh, people that could get there down the line, I would probably go with them. And there's like, they're young guys that are, uh, how do I say this? They're the tag team that I like them because to me, they're, they're a little serious, but they're also fun. But you take them very seriously. I don't know how, how am I explaining that properly, Will? Like, I look no, at them and I'm like, this I mean, is you are explaining team. it, but I, I get this, it. This was a team that I take seriously. Like, I don't mess, like, you don't, they don't mess around. They're going to go in there and they're going to have a straightforward freaking match and they're going to, you know, cater to whatever uh, company that they're in and they're going to have the kind of match that they want to see in that company. And that was definitely something that we saw uh, at Game Changer Wrestling when, uh, God, what was it? Chicago? I don't even remember what city anymore. Was it Chicago? No, it was Texas. God, where were we at, Will, last time? Chicago. When you and I were in GCW. That was Chicago. It was Chicago? Oh, my <laughs> yes. gosh. It's all a blur now. I'm just, you know, I, I know, don't you even remember what so city it's, anymore. Yeah. I'm like, where was it? Um, I, 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 I'll say this. I've been to so many shows this year that um, – <laughs> I, I regret the times that I haven't gotten to spend enough time in the city because like arenas are kind of mostly the same. And so I get it. I get that feeling of, I don't remember what city I saw this thing in because yes. once you hit the arena, it's the same as any other city you've ever been in. Uh, and so I have to remember to surround these wrestling trips with some like memories of the city itself. So yeah. that way I can truly associated i don't remember what i did in new orleans because i didn't really get to experience new orleans it was literally new just orleans. i'm not go, a fan of new orleans it's just it was just a go to the arena kind of thing and again all these arenas are the same dude they if i go to new thing. orleans will again i'm gonna bring my own food by the way because <laughs> i was fucking pissed that they didn't have goddamn food for me to eat at a certain time of the night because the shows would end super late and every restaurant was closed the one restaurant that was open had like a, a line that was like three miles long or i had to go to bourbon street where it freaking smelled like barf and al alcohol it was disgusting <laughs> will i hate new orleans honestly i like i like new orleans in the day it was very nice walking around that square area but and going to i did the little the little ride where you go and you go to the swamp and you get to pet the alligator that was the best thing ever but um man i would not i would have to bring my own food for new orleans anyways uh. <laughs> now, all the people from New Orleans watching the show are going to be like, fuck, Denise, <laughs> this is war now. Uh, we got a super chat here from uh, Devil Kazuya27, who says, thoughts on Oro Menza. Uh, he's my favorite in NXT. <clears throat> He's fairly new to the NXT brand. We've only seen him in a couple of matches now, but I thought that the latter match that they had yesterday on Halloween Havoc, if uh, he wasn't if he wasn't on your radar before, he wasn't a favorite before. I think he's definitely more so uh, up there now because that latter match that they did have on Alex, uh, I was gonna say Alex T on NXT Halloween Havoc, it was really uh, really good, and you get to see guys like Wesley, Carmelo Hayes, uh, uh, you know, all of those guys that did a really really tremendous good job here obviously Nathan Frazier to me was the standout uh I thought 
thought he stood out the most. Um, but I didn't think anything poorly about Oromensa. I think he definitely held his own in there. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, all right. So uh, let's go ahead and move on from here. Uh, let's get into my second best of the week. And this actually ties in with NXT Halloween Havoc because my second best of the week was that main event match for the NXT Championship. It was Braun Breaker, Ilya Dragunov, and JD McDonough. Um, Will, I freaking loved this match. So the reason why I loved this match was because it was freaking hard hitting. That's all I asked for. A hard hitting match that is going to um, just keep me entertained. And that's exactly what we got here. I mean, there were so many moments where I was just kind of like, okay, this is definitely where this match is going to end. There were so many different finishers that happened throughout this night, that throughout this match, that I thought, this is it. This person's going to win right here, right now. And then the match kept going. I love stuff like that. I love when you have this big explosion of a moment in a match and you think, oh, this is it. It's over. And they keep it going. So that to me was something that I really enjoyed to seeing. Uh, Braun Breaker, I'm just going to be real with you. I haven't been a fan of his reign as NXT champion. I really haven't. I didn't like the stuff with Dolph Ziggler. I didn't love the stuff with Joe Gacy. I wanted to see a new champion uh, being crowned uh, at NXT Halloween Havoc. But due to this match being so good, I didn't even care. I was like, all right, you know what? Good for you, Braun Breaker. Thumbs up. Um, the fact that they made me not care that I, did, I wanted to see a new champion was another pro. The other thing, too, is... Obviously, there's this constant criticism with NXT, and I don't blame people because there it is some, some's a little bit, you know, it's so different from what you were getting in the black and gold brand. Okay, that's not even an argument whatsoever. But I thought that this match was probably one of the closest things we've gotten in recent NXT to maybe compare with the old NXT. That's been like the recent. It feels like the closest thing that you can compare from this new era to the old era, right? So I just want to put over like JD McDonough went in there and he was just fucking like in the beginning, he had this whole exchange with Ilya Dragunov and it was so freaking good. He was, it was just hard hitting. And there was a moment where Ilya Dragunov, like he did everything. One of my favorite moments in this was when he was chopping both Braun Breaker and JD McDonough at the exact same time. It was a very good visual because you just see him going like, toss, toss, toss. Like I can't explain it, Will. Uh, it was good stuff. Dragunov didn't win as much as I wanted him to win, but I really want to see now Braun Breaker or Dragunov. I want to see JD uh, Dragunov again. Or have you seen that? No. Uh, at least I don't think I have. And uh, there's just a lot of potential with all of these guys now where I feel a little bit more excited about the NXT brand because these guys are part of it. So I did want to give it its due. I thought it was a fun main event. I did not get to see Halloween Havoc, but I've heard really, really good things. I was watching. Actually, I was at an amusement park at the time, um, and then I was uh, I went on a whole bunch of rides, and I ended up walking. I, I posted my steps eight whole miles yesterday. Damn. Um, so I got in a lot of steps, but I did not get to see Halloween Havoc uh, last night. I've heard good things about the ladder match and the main event. I heard everything else didn't really hit, but... Um, the... the ambulance match was good. And I think that one's going to fly under the radar. I think some people are not going to appreciate it for what it was. But I think the ambulance match was really good. That was with Julius Creed and Damon Kemp. Okay. I'll check that out. Um, the I mean, I'll end up probably checking out the whole show. I'll at least want to see the the opener in the main. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I'm glad Braun Breaker is is getting to at least get these performances out and and have more of that under his belt before hitting the main roster. I know a lot of people were anticipating and hoping for um, the uh, Austin Theory cash in on this show, and it didn't I wasn't. Happen. I wasn't. <laughs> it was very clear that it was just a tease to make you go, <gasps> you know, on Tuesday night. Right. That's all. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's where it happens. But I I was looking at my Twitter feed every once in a while and people are like, oh, is this it? Is this where he comes out? Is he coming out after the match? And he didn't come out. So, um, but I'm glad it was an enjoyable main event. Thank you very much. Uh, we actually have a super chat here and this is from uh, Jake Nader, 722. Thank you so much to Jake who says, have either of you seen much or been interested in the Vice Wrestling shows like Tales from the Territories? I haven't seen anything from tales from the territories at all in fact i keep forgetting that it already started so i i will be honest i haven't seen any of that i've only seen obviously the dark side of the ring i will eat those episodes up man like those are the things that i will actually rewatch a couple of them over and over just because you know i like those. i like that stuff but i haven't seen tales from the territories that's that seems very denise yeah i have that's supposed to mean (laughs) i'm sorry will is that an insult no, it's not an insult at all. It's just more so I have gathered a little bit of what your television taste is like. So you combine that with pro wrestling. I'm and... sorry. I didn't know I was being studied and evaluated. I'm sorry. This is what I do with my friends. But uh, So having gathered a little bit of what you like in your television taste and then also getting wrestling out of that as well. Like that's the best of both worlds for Denise. Um, and then as far as... Tales from the Territories is concerned. Because I'm the same way. I, I've watched all of Dark Side of the Ring. I've seen every single episode. Tales from the Territories, I have DVR'd. And I have multiple episodes that I am sitting on. I have not watched any of them yet. And I'll What's probably just back? sit. Uh, time. Um, I'll probably sit and binge them once I have time to do so. Look, it's basketball season. It's football season. And I still have 52 weeks of wrestling to watch. And fall TV. And fall TV. I haven't gotten to watch any fall TV, though, have I? I mean, I, I get to watch basically my... Nah, I've, I don't know what I've been watching. I've been watching Andor lately, so that's that's that. Uh, it's me and TV. Now I'm curious, Will, what have you gathered? What shows <laughs> does, would I watch? Oh my God, what was it that you that. learned? Well, so, Denise... <sighs> okay, so you... Definitely can get into like. I'm trying to see if this is a burial or not. <laughs> no, it's not Am a I burial. I'm about to get buried right no, now. No, you're not getting. No, it's not a burial because you can t- tend to get into like the dramatic docu side of things, and I think you know you can. And so, because you've brought up multiple that you've gotten into. Oh, I watch every like murder documentary, drama, right. anything it's... major in life. I will watch every documentary. Exactly. So now take that. And combine your other passion, which is pro Ah, wrestling, and those two things together is Dark Side of the Ring. I thought you were about to bury me and be like, well, you watch crap television, you listen to crap music, (laughs) you like crap wrestling. No, I wasn't going to do that. Though, I want to give a complete shout out, by the way, to Brandon Thurston, who had a tweet that got him buried on Twitter this week. But he had tweeted that, um, he says, oh, I finally get it, Bray Wyatt is the Taylor Swift of WWE. I fully got what he meant by that. And being creative? Sure, is that what you think he meant? No, now, okay. What he meant well, by that now, is now I'm about to start a feud with Brandon Thurston. No, 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 no. What he meant by that is no matter what you have to say about this person, if you are not putting them up 
as the absolute best on the planet, their fans will come after you as if you have besmirched the Bible. Like it is. Uh, I have to disagree with that, Will, because that actually happens for every fandom. Have you seen the Beyonce fans? Have yeah, you been course, on course. this Twitter stand? This happens to everybody. If you Look, say first off, bad Beyonce about Beyonce, Harry Styles, a Nicki Minaj, uh, Cardi B, Taylor Swift, Selena Gomez, every single living person out there, this is going to happen. You're telling me, though, that it's not the worst with Swifties, especially no. after new music no. drops. You haven't seen, oh my gosh, are you Okay, not first off, I, I have seen it. With, okay, I have seen it with Beyonce, of course, because oh I'm a God. Beyonce fan. I'm yeah. a Beyonce fan. I would consider it's everywhere. myself. But also putting out statements like that and saying that Bray Wyatt is the Taylor Swift, that is the Taylor Swift of WWE is actually super, super, how do I say this, very inappropriate because Bray Wyatt has not had any of the accomplishments or accolades that would accumulate in WWE that would equal up to what you get Taylor Swift in the music world. So I'm going to have to start a feud with Brandon Thurston now. You know what? I thought Brandon was a nice guy, but you know what? Brandon is an incredibly nice guy. I into love... a goddamn death match and now I... I have a feud with Brandon Thurston <laughs> I love Brandon I was talking to him about this tweet and he said yeah I have to go into witness protection now because this thing yes, he pissed should. off both he should. you know what but, Brandon but deserves off... all of this it pissed off both the Swifties and Bray Wyatt fans Bray Wyatt <laughs> fans were like don't compare I'm... us I'm surprised that the Swifties like found that tweet even to be honest, because I, I you know, there is a crossover, a huge crossover with WWE. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody likes Taylor Swift. So let's be real. Every yeah. fandom's going to have that crossover. So, so I, it was funny though, because again, but let me Swift just fans... say this. Hold on. Will being a diehard Taylor Swift fan and being a diehard wrestling fan, I can see how incorrect that tweet and that statement is. It's actually very incorrect. So, so, so again, he technically, he, so technically Brandon does deserve <laughs> the hate he's getting from both the Bray Wyatt fans and the Swifties. I just feel like they made his point because I think he was just solely talking from the point of a big fandom he understands. A big fandom in that he was basically comparing the idea of you can't say anything without that fandom swarming you and Taylor but Swift you just happened know to be why? the newest one. You want to know why though, right? Why is that? Because when you compare a lot of the artists, Taylor Swift actually gets the most hate that any other artist gets compare her stories if you know the history she gets more hate than everybody she's the person that was slut shamed she's the person that uh it turned into this whole you know there's a lot of sexism towards her for you know being this like powerful you know woman and everything that happened with her masters and everything that she has stood up for even politics all of that people come after her for every single thing and you will notice that doesn't always happen to everybody else all right, Will. So hold on. I just have to say, as we're putting our, our, our favorites out there, I feel the sympathy. But don't tell me that anybody's gotten, uh, I guess we're like persecution comparing, right? Because um, <laughs> Denise. By the way, this I'm is all because poor Jake asked about a simple uh, question I know, about I... Tales from the Territories. I know. I didn't look. <laughs> diehard Mariah Carey fan over here where constantly Mariah Carey was shamed for weight. She was shamed for 
uh, relationships. She was shamed for uh, her okay, voice. Okay, so what we're She's trying to get at here is that all. women are always being shamed, okay? Yes, absolutely. And we need to stop so <laughs> this bullshit, okay? And making comparisons like the Bray Wyatt-Taylor Swift thing just continues to add to that hate and that beatdown of tearing down successful women. So I am not here for it for anybody, okay? <laughs> Well, don't Sorry. even get me going. I will. Oh, no. All right. Tom talks <laughs> rubbish. By the way, finish what you were saying about Mariah Carey. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, 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 no. She's my favorite. And I I, I know having to How watch. How would you feel people... about a comment like that? Say, But swap out Taylor Swift's name with Mariah Carey's name. How would you be right now, Will? Well, keeping in mind that Bray Wyatt's not my favorite, um, I think that comparison would. Be would... an insult? I wouldn't say insult because I get what he's I get the comparison in that it's just two diehard rabid fan bases that will not accept any statements about their person that's anything short of they are the best. Answer um, the I th- question. I think Will. I think at the moment it's a yes little bit or cr- no. Would you be upset if that was swapped out with Mariah Carey's name? No, because I've been hearing Mariah Carey insults since yeah, the right. dawn of time. Watch, and so- watch. That's a lie, Will. <laughs> that's a lie. <laughs> You're lying right now. <laughs> Tom talks rubbish and sent a super chat saying, "Great show is great show as always. Uh, helping me recover from my hangover." Uh, Sambuca is not my friend with Sam. I don't know what Sambuca is. Was he talking about kombucha or kombucha? No, no. Um, I actually don't know what that is. But thank you so it's, much, it's a, to Tom. It's a liqueur. Uh, so anyway, um, thank you, Tom. Appreciate that. We have a super chat here from Eric Brady who says, we've seen TNA adopt a video game character into a real wrestler. (laughs) Do you think WWE should attempt to do the same with the character from Young Rock? Ooh, thoughts on this. Eric, I hate you. Uh, Are you saying that they um, should adopt the character of Young Rock uh, and and turn him into a pro wrestler as in The Rock? Eric jokes are one of those jokes that, are are those types of jokes that... um, they take a little bit to hit you, but once they do, uh, they, they'll they shine. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Eric. And I will answer this question really quickly. Someone said, who is more persecuted, Kanye or Taylor? Kanye is a freaking jerk, all right? And he spreads terrible goddamn messages. Taylor Swift has never done that, all right? People just hate her because she's successful. All right, continuing I- on. Yeah, uh, I'm in. I'm in fuck Kanye West mode. Thank you. I've been in that mode for years now, and I'm happy that the rest of the world is finally starting to see it. Uh, but for even worse reasons now, which is terrible. Uh, Josh Wallow sends in a super chat. Thank you so much to Josh, who says Denise is sunshine. Will is midnight rain. <laughs> no, I actually feel you're more sunshine, and I'm more midnight. You're more of. I'm guessing this is a Taylor Swift reference. I don't know. I would actually swap it. Knowing our personalities, you're more sunshine. I'm more midnight. But thank you so much to Josh Josh Swallow for sending that in. All right. Where the hell are we at? Thanks, Will. You got me going. We're at our worst. You got me heated. We are at our worst, and I will give my worst. (laughs) My turn. All right. It's time. Oh, yeah. It's time for our worst. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Will, what is your worst? All right. My worst of the week. Um, isn't just one thing. It's an entire show. And folks, I have to give it to this week's episode of AEW Rampage. Um, in that I thought this was the type of Rampage episode you could have tacked on to the end of a Dynamite 
no problem. But you sold tickets to this. This was a standalone rampage. And you, they attempted to save it with adding the Orange Cassidy title defense. Had that or- And that wasn't originally there. That was, By the end of Dynamite, we just had this card. It's not so much that anything was particularly bad on the show because we even got one of my favorite moments of the week, which was Willow Nightingale being all elite. But I just felt like you can't sell tickets to this. This was... Uh, and especially considering what, how many they sold. This was the, what, they've done two shows in Daily's Place this year. I believe this outsold by a lot last, uh, the last Daily's Place show they did, which was the go-home show to Revolution. I just, this card was just so underwhelming, and there was nothing in particular to write home about on this show. I thought that... Um, you know, they acclaimed they they won their trademark back. They got to beat the varsity athletes. Um, again, not a match anybody was particularly highly interested in. Um, I thought that the match between Willow Nightingale, I think, granted, it was supposed to be Penelope Ford, but um, I don't know. I felt like there was some miscommunication in that match. Ultimately, ultimately though, it led to a great moment with Willow Nightingale. The main of uh, the... The title defense, Arya Davari, uh, challenging Hook. Nobody cared. Like, nobody was into that. It it, uh, it just blew in the wind. And then main event was uh, a match between Roosh, um, Orange Cassidy, and Preston Vance. I thought that I'm glad they added Orange Cassidy to that match. But at the end of the day... um, and Should have been advertised. I, it's It should have... I hate even making this statement because I don't like knocking performers at their craft, but I thought that Preston Vance, the last two big Rampage matches he's had, has looked really out of his element. And in this particular case, he looked really out of his element. We have Orange Cassidy, who's a multi-decade pro at this. You have Roosh, who's one of the best talents in the world. And I thought that Ten looked like he couldn't hang. And just thinking about the fact that this was going to be the main event without Orange Cassidy and they sold tickets to this show. This was live. This was a standalone show. And uh, post-show, granted, there was a, um, a really touching tribute that had the stars on the show. Um, John Moxley came out after the show and, and all of that. And they had the stars there and they got to give them a big moment. Um, but as far as just a standalone live Rampage, I was under the impression that with Rampage going live for the next month, that they were going to beef up these shows. And maybe that was the intention, thinking that, you know, we're going to have CM Punk, Kenny, and the Bucks around. But these live shows, these don't feel like anything you should be selling tickets to. And I just can't believe this was something that uh, went out there live. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, when you, because I thought this Rampage was actually better than some of the past Rampages rampages that they've been having. Because some of the previous Rampages from the last couple of weeks, I didn't think were that great. And I kind of felt like, and I was saying this on my Friday show, where I kind of felt like Rampage had become a show where I could miss it. And was I really missing anything? Not so much. It was one of those things like, let's say they had a really good match. I could go in and watch that one good match, but I probably didn't have to watch the entire show. The other criticism that I've had recently about Rampage is that it's become a little bit too formulaic, 
where you already know exactly what to expect, the ingredients uh, that make up Rampage. And I do think that may be another issue where they might want to, you know, switch up the format a little bit, just get it a little bit differently. But with that being said, I did think this was actually on the better side of uh, Rampage uh, in recent memory. And but when you think about the fact that you said and this was the key thing that changes my argument is that this was a standalone show. Oh, yeah. Like I said, you could attack this on to a dynamite and it would have been fine. But I just yes. think that as a live show, um, and granted, I go to a lot of shows, so I always watch these shows from the perspective of the crowd. That's just the, the mindset I'm constantly in is how is the crowd enjoying this, which is why I don't like overly long backstage segments because when I'm in the crowd, I'm sitting there going, okay, get to something in front of me because I'm sitting here watching a screen. I could go to a movie theater for this. And so um, that's one of those things where just watching this from the perspective of somebody who possibly could have paid for this. I just, I couldn't believe this was something that they sold tickets to. Yeah. I rampage. Feel you you got to do better with these standalone rampages. You can't treat these like a standalone. I mean, you can't treat them like the same rampage you would do on a dynamite taping. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Chaos Control sends in a super chat saying, I will say you can swap Taylor with Mariah or any other thing with stands, and the statement is still true. Stands will go hard about their favorites. Exactly what I was preaching. Thank you so much to Chaos Control for having my back here. Uh, I appreciate it, seriously. Um, and then these are fucking crazy, though. You know what? And we deserve the right to be, okay? Because we're fed <laughs> up, Will. We're fed up with people's shit, okay? When it comes to Taylor, well, well, I will be. I will take you on, Will. I will take on anybody. I don't care. And Caspito asked if I finally applied for my full gear mirror credentials. I finally did, by the way. I did after the day that you yelled at me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm glad you applied, Denise. All right. Uh, moving on from here, uh, we got to get into uh, my worst, actually. And my worst for this week, I actually kind of struggled a little bit to really think about what really stood out to me in terms of worst of the week. And I, you know, last week I thought, you know what, I'm not as passionate as I thought I was with my worst of the week. And then I started talking about it and I realized that I really was passionate about it. But that being said, my worst for this week, I think it's going to be a little bit, I don't know. I don't think everyone's going to agree with me, but so what? This is my opinion. And I'm going to go with the partnership between Baron Corbin and JBL. Ooh, this is the pants, wasn't it? It's the pants. I Okay, for a couple of reasons. When you think of the time that you've liked Baron Corbin the most, what is that time? Chances Ooh, that are when he doesn't was... exist, but um <laughs> Okay, I... <laughs> but there was a brief period where for the most part Baron Corbin, when he was poor and depressed and you had sympathy for him, there was a lot of people that were like, you know what, this is actually working for us. But every other thing that they've done with Baron Corbin as a heel has gone to the shits, right? Nobody freaking cares, nobody likes it as go away heat for a lot of people. But when Baron Corbin was, you know, sad and depressed and his life was falling apart and he was kind of a baby face you 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 liked that version of Corbin so with that being said I'm like why would you pair Corbin up with JBL who JBL I feel is a little bit unlikable especially this you know version of JBL to me I'm not the biggest fan and so for me it's just like now you're Instead of trying something new with Baron Corbin and trying to make him, I feel he thrives better as a if they try to make him into a likable character versus a character you have to hate because it just continues to flop. So um, I don't personally think we need. And then, okay, so that's the one thing. I don't think Corbin should be a heel anymore. I think they need to do something different and have him as a face. Uh, JBL 
feels like they, how do I explain it? Like the extra person at the office that you're trying to find a job for. And you were like, you know what? Let's put you here. I don't really feel that JBL is needed with Baron Corbin. And personally, I'm not that big of a fan of this. I don't like the pairing. It actually kind of irritates me. I'm not a fan. And let me just say one thing. Mm -hmm. Corbin, uh, oh, and the wrestling God thing, it's too much. I get it's supposed to get under my skin, so maybe that's working, but uh, it's very annoying, far-fetching. I can't get behind it, not even in a heelish way. Uh, but I will say this, like I've interviewed Baron Corbin before, and he is such a nice guy, so likable and like out of character, such a likable guy. Why can't we see that version of Baron Corbin on TV? Why do we have to keep having the same version of Baron Corbin just a little bit tweaked differently with this heel character? Make him into a baby face, man. Like, that's how I feel. So I'm not a fan of Baron Corbin. JBL pairing, I'm out. This is not for me, and I'm going to hate it every week. So JBL is one of those guys that I think hindsight has been really kind to because at the time it was jbl was really disliked by um i would say fans and wrestling media alike nothing was working as far as jbl was concerned like he tanked smackdown ratings as champion um and he tanked smackdown's perception uh people forget that like smackdown as the b show um, as it was known for a lot of the brand split, didn't exist till JBL was champion. That was not a thing until all of a sudden we had JBL as WWE champion, and it was like, well, you just took this eternal mid-carter in Bradshaw and made him WWE champion overnight, and you completely, like I said, you tanked the perception of SmackDown back in 2004. Um, but hindsight has been kinder to JBL that nobody looks at the number side of those things anymore. Nobody looks at the perception. They simply look at the content and go, actually, JBL wasn't that bad. JBL was maybe pretty good. Uh, but again, I lived through it. I lived through it at the time. I lived through people wondering, like, what has happened to SmackDown? SmackDown, it, you literally had Booker T coming out going, SmackDown is the minor leagues. And that was literally a, uh, that was, like, all of that happening around the time that JBL suddenly had his rise. It, it was, like, murdering the brand. And so um, I get it. I, I still have those residual feelings to the JBL character that uh, this was something that, again, I feel like tanked a lot of uh, what I was liking about WWE at the time. That this you guys went from Brock Lesnar to JBL. Shit sucked. Um, he's a great talker, of course. JBL is a, is a great orator. He's also a really awful commentator. And uh, we had to sit through that for a number of years as well. And so I pairing him even mentioned that part too, the commentary part. He was on commentary. Right. So pairing him with Baron Corbin to me feels really fitting for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah. And I say that because JBL was just the number of characters from the time we first saw him introduced in WWF. He was Justin Hawk Bradshaw. He was Bradshaw. He was one half of the APA. Um, one half of the Acolytes, member of the, the Ministry of Darkness. And then one day they were just like, here he is, he's a rich guy, and now he's champion. And it all happened in the span of a month. And it was like, you took this guy who has been toiling away in the mid-card. And let's not forget about Cowboy Horns, um, hardcore champion JBL as well, or Bradshaw. You took this guy who like, was a solid hand, but 
never really meant much of anything in the grand scheme of the entire show. And you gave him a push kind of out of nowhere. I feel like that's kind of been like the story of Baron Corbin's career. And so at the end of the day, the two kind of go hand in hand. I don't like hate Baron Corbin, but I do feel like Baron Corbin's one of those names that when he's missing, nobody's asking where Baron Corbin is. Yeah, that's unfortunate too. So, I mean, that's how I feel. I will say this though. JBL's theme song, the... How do you do that? <laughs> the what little moose? The, the, little cow, the, the little cow the noise? cow, yeah. <laughs> is that your moo? That's, what is no, that? But it's not like a... It's not like I know a what it's supposed it's like to a, be. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> Give it a try, Will. Give no, it a I'm try. not going to do it because like... <laughs> It's fun. I do it all the time. Whenever he comes out, I'm like, Rrr. that's actually the only thing I look forward when JBL comes out is doing the, the cow noise with his theme song. I really thought, though, that you were giving it to this simply because of the pants, because those, no, pants... those pants were got off. I mean, homeboy could have flown up in the goddamn sky with those. <laughs> Had there been like an extra breeze in the air, he would have been a balloon. <laughs> Those are god awful what, pants. What happened? Those, I mean, look, those reminded me of like, if you ever saw like R&B videos from the 2000s where everybody had to wear like oversized suits because that was just the thing we were all into. But like you still, but like R&B singers all still tried to look nice. So they had like super baggy pants with like uh, a suit jacket, right? That's what this reminded me of, except it's 2022, and this is an old white guy from Texas. Like, it just looks way off and way wrong. Well, that's the thing. Baggy pants right now are in for girls, but they don't look like that. It's the oh. big jeans, but really tiny waist with the, you know, they accent the waist, and they got the ripped portions. You got the really tiny. Sh you can't do a big shirt and big pants. You got to do either or. And so right now, the style is big pants, really, really tiny shirts. So that's kind of the look, but not that. Not what JBL did. That's was just, ugh, I don't know what that was. Orion Ben 666 sends in a super chat saying JBL was supposed to put over Corbin. Uh, did it happen? Yeah, it just made it worse, to be honest. So thank you to Orion Ben. Uh, Sheldon Jackson sends in a super chat saying Corbin and JBL was the second worst this week for me. The worst was Dom versus AJ Styles because I fucking forgot that happened. <laughs> oh my God. Sheldon Jackson, I forgot that happened Dom this week. AJ Styles. That was the worst. Can I change my answer? I forgot that happened. I, I, you want to know why I forgot? I went back to my raw notes from this weekend because that's how I decide what I'm going to pick for this show. I didn't even write anything down for this. I went on a whole rant about this on Monday. It was god awful. Oh my god. You know what? All of a sudden, JBL's looking pretty damn good to me. This was freaking <laughs> horrible. Okay, in no sense of the word do I ever. I don't care if inter. I don't care if it's interference. I don't care if the freaking if God comes down himself and pit, holds down AJ Styles. I never want to see Dominic defeat AJ Styles. It's just not no. I really fucked up. <laughs> he says the worst was Dom versus AJ Styles because that match was bad. Dom looked out of place and it really showed. Yes. Thank you, Thank Sheldon. You, Sheldon. Now my blood pressure is higher. If I if I die like in a year, Will, this is my blood pressure. And we're gonna all look of this. back to this show as as <laughs> Knock the, the on cause. Wood, by the way, I got things to do. <laughs> She's got a lot to accomplish. <laughs> all right. Um. Damn, man, I'm really upset right now. 
<laughs> well, Wait, luckily we we're. Mo- hey, remember we? That was the part of the reason we changed up the format of this show because before we were ending in a way where we were talking about our worst. We basically be like, all right, everybody, bye. But now we get to relive our best. And I'm guessing because it was the cover image of this show and neither of us have said it yet, we actually have the same best pick. Do we do? We do. We have we the do. first. We have the best. Yeah, I think our best time? is the same. Yes. I mean, we're probably going to name it differently. So uh, at the end of the day, it's MJF, William Regal, the confrontation at... Oh, what is she typing? Yeah, there we go. Denise and Will, best of the week. Yes, MJF and William Regal had a confrontation on Dynamite. William Regal was in the ring being interviewed by Tony Schiavone. He is interrupted by MJF, and they had what I thought was one of the best promo segments this year, Uh, definitely in the top for MJF's best career segments. Uh, It was very raw. It was very real. And everybody played their part correctly here. And everybody felt like they were in the right in a way where they captivated the audience. It started with MJF, who wanted to tell a story. And this story that he told is a story that has been floating around wrestling circles a long time. MJF has told his peers this story a lot. I've heard this story before. And so what was interesting to me was to see it played out on TV. This was something that was very real to MJF. Um, None of this was a made-up scenario. None of the the email was real. All of this was real. And him going out there and telling this story to William Regal about how William Regal broke his heart at 19, that he built him up um, and told MJF to, you know, he's much too young, but tell you what, send me a match and a promo every month. And on the third month, when Regal sent him that email, it made MJF want to kill himself, but it made him feel uh, like he had something to prove. And he went out and proved it and made a name for himself. And now, fast forward all these years later, William Regal's the one fired, and MJF is the one that uh, his former employer is dying to have. And MJF feels vindicated. And the crowd was way behind that, right? And then we put the mic in William Regal's hands. Crowd is booing William Regal at first until William Regal starts talking himself and he ends up turning it around and justifying everything he did, everything he said, and making it make sense and making it, I lit a fire under you. Without any of that, I wouldn't have turned you in to who you are today. You wouldn't be who you are today. And I had, uh, and I saw that in you. Now, just because you've made it all this way, you making all this money, that doesn't impress me. I love that line. William Regal with that face, uh, he's not impressed by that. You know, as far as he's concerned, MJF has taken shortcuts this whole time. He had a chip handed to him. He's been cheating in his matches. He uses the dynamite diamond ring. He beats up on poor announcers. You don't beat up on poor Tony Schiavone. You know, whatever happens in this ring, that's people in this ring. But you don't beat up an announcer on the stage. And yeah, yes, I use these brass knuckles, but not because I needed to. Because I like to. Because it's fun. Right? And so, and then he turns around, asks MJF to hit him. MJF doesn't, uh... It doesn't have it in him to do it. Regal walks away with this cocky look. Crowd applauds. This was masterful stuff. If wrestling could receive an Emmy, if wrestling was ever going to receive an Emmy, this is the segment they're going to receive it for because this was A-plus wrestling television, MJF and William Regal. 
Man, it was good stuff for all the reasons that you just said. And the best way that I described it on Twitter and on my post show was legitimately that uh, if, you know, usually when you're, uh, you know, reading a book that somebody wrote and they're telling these stories, obviously, you know, I'm a big fan of Jericho's books, read all of those. Um, this to me was if M the way that MJF told this story, the way that he cut the promo, it was almost like if you could have been easily reading it on a book, like this could have been, I don't know, chapter one or something, whatever. And him, like the way that he delivered it, it was a page turner for me. You kept wanting to hear everything that he had to say. And this to me, like so many promos, so many promos, it's a lot of like throwing shots to one another, your crap, whatever, I'm not crap, whatever, right? Whatever the promo is. This to me was storytelling. And that's what made it so much better. It's not, you're not just telling William Regal, you suck, whatever. No, this was, this is what happened. This is how it happened. And here's how you made me feel. And this is why right now I'm telling this to your face. And that to me is the most intriguing thing that you can do in a promo. And that's the one thing that MJF's really good at is doing the storytelling in these promos. I mean, he had you hooked from the second where he was like, I, you know, got my tryout as a, I got to be a WWE extra. And I was like, man, where the hell is he going with this? When he got into William Regal's face and he said that he killed a young boy's dream with that email. And he said, you made me want to kill myself. I, that was it. That was like peak moment for me because how do you bounce back from that? And I was thinking during this, like during that moment when uh, William Regal said, when, excuse me, when MJF said this and the crowd was chanting, uh, you fucked up. I was like, yeah. man, how is William Regal going to bounce back from this? Like it made you, it made me angry at William Regal during this hearing and MJF's the heel, MJF's the bad guy, but I was angry at William Regal hearing MJF's portion of the story. And that was the other thing that I liked was uh, to the storytelling, it gave you these layers of emotions of like uh, intrigued. You were intrigued by everything MJF was saying. You were angry by what he was saying. Uh, you sympathized with what he was saying. Everything, all the feels. Then when William Regal came back and basically turned, gave him like a swerve instead of being like, kid, I'm sorry, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, he doubled down on why he did what he did. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, William Regal. And this for me was probably the best thing that I've seen William Regal do since he came, since he entered AEW. Uh, I think this kind of took things to a whole other level of you know, what we can possibly expect from, not expect from William Regal, but things that we can see with him and some of the, you know, newer talent. Obviously, this can't happen every week with him and whoever. It had to be MJF. There was a legitimate story there. And it kept you freaking intrigued. So I thought that given given everything MJF said and that William Regal was able to follow that up in a way where you're like, holy shit. In fact, a couple of people in my chat that night were like, I think William Regal won this like promo off. And I'm like, dang, I don't even know. Like I'm a little torn. So it is one of those things that it's exciting to see, um, you know, something like this happen. And I will say this, and I tweeted this out and obviously it was controversial. Uh, I said it was the best promo or like the, the best promo. And then I also said it was my favorite moment in wrestling this year. And I stand by that. Will. Well, uh, what's the controversy there? 
Oh, people, there are some people that were upset. Yeah, I don't want to bring it up because then it's going to be more drama here. Okay, there were a couple <laughs> people that had to do the comparison because when I said that was, because I wasn't even thinking about any other promo. I was just thinking about this particular moment and I tweeted, I'm an emotional tweeter, okay? I uh -huh. tweet the way I feel at that moment, okay? I don't wait till the match is over. I don't wait until the promo's over. If I have a thought, I will tweet it out there. So with that being said- I've watched it happen, by the way. This is, yeah, this is where I'll thing. tweet something and then a minute later, I'm like, oh shit, that aged badly, you know? But yeah, <laughs> um, that's my new rule, by the way. I wait until the segment's over sometimes. But the point that I'm trying to get is there were a couple of people that were like, well, how come you liked this promo more than Bray Wyatt's promo? This and that, please, please explain that. And so it became a MJF's promo versus Bray Wyatt's promo. And I'm like, bro, I fucking put that shit over like up the butt crazy last week. Uh, and now we're on to a new week and I'm sorry. I liked this promo more just because it was, this is not an AEW versus WWE thing. No, this is a holy shit. MJF and William Regal did a great fucking job. And there was just so much there that I was a fan of that. But anyway, so that was the whole drama. Uh, expected, actually. I mean, guys, last week I gave my best moment to Hangman Adam Page and John Moxley in the ring. And the reason I did that is because passionate storytelling happens a lot in pro wrestling. But again, at the end of the day, what I want passionate storytelling to do is make sure that it ends up in a wrestling ring. Wherever it's going, it's got to end up in a ring. That is one thing that Vince McMahon understood quite well. That, that was what he had against Vince Russo, was that Vince Russo was all about doing a lot of drama, but once Vince Russo didn't have Vince McMahon along, Vince Russo was like, let's just do drama. And uh, if it ends up in a ring, it ends up in a ring. If it doesn't, who cares? And it's like, no, at the end of the day, drama in pro wrestling has to end up in the ring. And the fact that all of this used itself to spin into the ending of the show which was MJF did have the opportunity to cash in. Now, granted, what was supposed to happen was Moxley was going to be a little bit more incapacitated, a little more worn from a match. MJF was about to cash in, remembering what Regal said about taking shortcuts and then deciding not to and deciding to uh, have a true one-on-one -on -one match with John Moxley. So again, everything that was said in that promo was used to lay the foundation for what we're going to see in MJF versus John Moxley at full gear. That is pro wrestling. That is what pro wrestling is supposed to be. Now, can we trust MJF? Is he actually going to keep his word? Or when the opportunity comes to take a shortcut in facing John Moxley, is he going to take that shortcut? Uh, we don't know. He could go either direction. One can establish a strong by his word MJF. The other can remind us that MJF is still MJF, but it's intriguing and it makes me want to see the match. That's how you sell me on a match. That's how you get me a ticket. That's how you get me to buy a pay-per-view. That's what you do. And this was a textbook example of it. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, we have a super chat here from Leonard Aarons III, who says AW World Champion MJF is going to be something else, bro. It, he is going to be something else in terms of, can you like the amount of bragging that I'm expecting to hear from MJF. The amount, like, he's going to piss you off, get under your goddamn skin. I could already hear generational talent, uh, the bidding war of 2024. He's going to piss the people off. Or I don't know. That's what it, what I'm expecting. Yeah. It, and 
you know, I am sad that the scenario didn't work out the way it's supposed to because the dynamite after full gear is in Chicago and I know what they were trying to do there, <laughs> which would have been MJF having won the title from CM Punk and then rubbing it in those fans' faces. But now we don't get to have that. Uh, I'm hoping that it's still just as good in Chicago, whatever they end up doing on that first dynamite after full gear. And we have so many people putting over this segment, uh, you know, just everybody really uh, enjoying everything that was done uh, between that. And I completely agree with everything everyone said, which is why it's the best moment of the week. Now, Will, um, you and I briefly chatted about this because there was somebody on our YouTube chat who left a very good idea. So as you know, we're nearing towards the end of the year and we're going to be probably doing the best stuff, you know, all of that type of stuff. And someone suggested picking certain things of the week that you feel should be added to um to the year end of the year list. So I haven't came up with a name. If anybody has a brilliant name for what this list or special box or whatever you want to call it could be, uh, please suggest it in the chat or after the show or whenever. Uh, but basically, I don't know, that thing you give that gold star to that you want to make sure you add for the end of the year list or your best stuff. And I just want to say, even though we don't have an actual name for it, I'm adding this MJF William Ringle thing. Uh, to my list of best moments in wrestling for this year. And I know we're barely starting this now in October, but uh, thank you to the person that had this generous uh, or this really good suggestion, I think. Yes. Uh, this one goes in the in the box for sure, as Denise and Will will definitely do a big year-end show. This is one of those moments that gets looked back on very fondly. And yeah, we started this show late in the year, so we're probably going to have to look back on some stuff. Oh yeah, of course, um, of course. But you're going to get it from us. We're going to do it. Thank and you for one, being here, everybody. One last thing. If you oh. guys want us to do a poll, a weekly poll, that was another suggestion someone made. Uh, if you guys want us to do a weekly poll about what you guys think was best and worst moment of the week, let us know if that's something you'd be interested in. And we will make sure to do that as well, because I know some people want to hear what the people's choices uh, are for best and worst of the week. So that's something that I'm also thinking about incorporating into the show. Uh, but we got a super chat here from Ryan Lambert, who says, sending a super chat from the 49ers tailgate, sending y'all the snazziest of love. Uh, also, Miz and Dexter's is y'all's best, right? Right? Ha ha. I love it. Those so chair much, shots. Oh, my God. Um, there was no amount of camera. Oh, my God. It was so weak. That could I've never fix seen a those chair, chair shot. Those chair shots. I mean, look, the stage obviously um, got some damage, but uh, Dexter Loomis didn't take anything. Um, Bro, it looked like me fighting <laughs> with my little cousin in the freaking aisle of Toys R Us. Uh <laughs> Uh, I will say shout out Tim Gordon really quick. Uh, as far as suggestions, duh. Um, after the year is kind of the, the oh fitting way. Oh, my God. You see <laughs> what I mean? Way. That's it. Thank you, Tim. That's the name. <laughs> yes. So we've got ATW and ATY. Thank you so much, Tim. I appreciate that. That's great. All right. I'm writing that down now. Uh, thank you so much again to Ryan Lambert for this awesome way to close out our show. Uh, thank you to everybody who tuned in. Will, please let the people know where they can find you. Of course, you can find me, William RBR, on all social platforms. I'm on Fightful a lot, youtube.com slash Fightful this week. If you're a Fightful Select subscriber, you can find me doing Ask Grapsity alongside Righteous Reg and Philip Lindsay. We'll be answering any questions that come in using the hashtag Ask Grapsity or if they're asked on uh, FightfulSelect.com. And also, you can catch Grapsity every Saturday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. I also host Day After Dynamite every 
Thursday, and that is at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and that's at youtube.com slash Fightful. This week, I've got Stephanie Chase, Digital Spy, coming by um, hosting Day After Dynamite with me. So that's going to be fun. The that Forbidden is going to be fun. Continues. I love Stephanie. Yes. The Forbidden Door, that is, Day After Dynamite, <laughs> continues to have any and everybody that's willing to step through. Awesome. All right, guys. Also, one and last and final thing, do not forget to subscribe to this channel. Like I said, we just surpassed 71,000 subscribers on our way to 100K. So please make sure you subscribe. Will and I will be back here again next week for after the week. Until next time, we'll see you all later. Bye, everyone. Take care.